Hey everyone, this is Chris Bitten from the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I say on every episode, we have a great one for you. We have the amazing Tracy Lawrence. His impressive catalog of timeless music has has made Lawrence a mainstay in the genre, selling more than 13 million albums and charting 18 number one songs. He has garnered numerous CMA, ACM awards and nominations, as well as a Grammy nomination. And we're excited to have him on the show today because um, he's an icon in the industry. You know, he's celebrating his 30th anniversary of being in country music. So we're going to talk a lot about that, where he's going and just see where this goes. So, Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for having me today. It's definitely an honor to have you on the show. Um, so I always like to start the show out the same way. As you know, um, we're all in a tough bind, at least this last year. I mean, it looks like we're coming out of the pandemic now. But through it all, how did COVID affected, affect you? And what have you done to kind of maneuver through that crazy new maze? You know, we uh, were off work for a week shy of the whole year. Uh, so we were, we were out doing arenas with Justin Moore. And then that came to a screeching halt in March of last year. Uh, you know, for the first few months, uh, we occupied our time with, you know, doing a lot of stuff around the farm, uh, ran a lot of chainsaws, cut a lot of trees, stacked some firewood, cleaned the garages, worked in the house, did all those those things. Uh, and, you know, just we kept thinking that, you know, well, we'll go back to work in May. We'll go back to work in June and July. I think after July, the reality start finally set in. Wow. We have a lot of shows on the books in July. And it and when all we lost all those dates in July, the reality really set in that we were going to be dead in the water for a while. Wow. And I, I then I you know by then uh, the area that I lived in uh, east of Nashville really never got hit that hard. We we had some restrictions, but the gyms opened back up. You had to wear your mask in, but the restaurants yeah. were open. You'd have to wear your mask in the door, and then you could take it off when you sit down at the tables. All those things. So it it kind of normalized. You kind of accepted the situation that you were in. But I just started going to the gym every day and working out. Just I, I, I realized that I had to adjust my and find a new normal. I had to kind of find a, a way to adjust my routine. And I just get up and go to the gym every morning and then work around the house. I wound up writing a lot of songs last year. Uh, started working on this 30-year this project. I knew we were going to record a lot of things. We had three right. albums planned to record. Uh, so I had some things in the can, but I, I just started writing a lot. I did some Zoom writes, had a handful of people that would come to the house and, and sit down. We had I've got a big area out back that we would sit down and write spaced apart. Uh, so we just wrote a lot of songs. Uh, as soon as we were able to get back in the studio, uh, we were able to start tracking some stuff. Uh, but you know, it's still, everything was off balance. It's, you know, you, you get used to running on a treadmill for 30 years where it's, you know, you're doing 80, 90 days a year and, and juggling all the stuff in town and all the award shows and all the mm -hmm. travel and all the things that goes on. I think the shock of having to shut down for a while, it, it yeah. took, it took a little bit to adjust to it. And it's taken a little bit to gear back up to it now, too. It's like it's like getting back up to game speed. We've all our tour managers have been a little sluggish. There's been a, things falling through the cracks as we've started working again. It's been really hard to get back up to speed. I've never taken this kind of time off before, so it's oh, wow. mentally been a little bit of a challenge. But we're we're about to get there. That's like with us, you know. We launched our show January of 2020, so a couple months before COVID happened. I remember telling Sandy, you know, our original plan was 
you know, 100 interviews our first year. And really, to be honest, we thought if we could do 100 interviews, that would be, we thought that would be pushing it. And then COVID happens. And as I start to watch the whole entertainment industry come to a halt, I told Sandy, I was like, you know, um, this could be our silver lining, you know, because guests that normally wouldn't come on a brand new show might be willing to come on a brand new show. And so we just reached out to everybody last year. And because of that, we did over 300 interviews last year. We're almost wow. at four, almost at 400 now. So that's been crazy. That's great. Well, and, and adapting to the new Zoom situations and all the new platforms that were available to us, uh, I think te technology kind of pushed us in a place that we, I don't know if we would have gotten to near as quickly That's as true. we have through the COVID. Uh, and it's it's kind of normalized all these things a little bit. I mean, we we weren't embracing all the, the, the video technology and it was there. like we are now. And it was there, uh, but it still, it still was kind of sluggish and spotty and, you know, things dropped out a lot. But I think they've, uh, the technology has come a long way in the last year and a half. It's been amazing Most to see what it's done. And I, and, and I don't think we'll ever get back away from it now that it's here. And, and I saw this as the future as, I, as we were looking last year through all this. You know, you see all the a lot of people doing the online concerts, you know, pay five, ten bucks, whatever for a ticket and you get to enjoy the online concert. And I'm like, you know what? I bet the future and I'm already seeing it happen. But I, I was like, I bet the future will be you're at a show. You're live at a show. You got your audience there, but you're going to still do your online concerts with it. So that now you get the best of both worlds. So now your audience from around the world can join in with you while you're on stage. Yeah, uh, there may be some of that, but I don't. It's really hard for me to believe that anything can ever take the place of a live performance. Well, Actually, that's what I'm saying. I think it's going to come by. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think you're going to be at your live. You know, like I seen Kristen Bush um, post on Facebook that he's doing a live concert somewhere he says but don't he says but all my online audience don't worry we're gonna live stream it too so get your tickets so i think it's combining both where you're still doing your live shows but now you're gonna stream it at the same time yeah yeah and that just makes more and that and it's funny why didn't we all think of this before the pandemic <laughs> yeah <laughs> it would have made a lot of sense so you know, 18 number ones, um, take us back a little bit on some of those, you know, tell us a little bit about what your journey has been like, because a lot of people, you know, they see, they see you as like this top of the person, but you're a real person like anybody else. You know, it's, it's had its highs and lows. The industry's evolved and changed. Uh, you know, I was in the major label system for many years, uh, spent 10 years with Atlantic and then moved over to Warner Brothers for a little while then bounced to DreamWorks and DreamWorks got absorbed by Universal. And, and then about 07, 08, I, I left the major label system and went out on my own and started my own imprint, which was a growing learning process. So it's, it's had its challenges along the way. Uh, you know, and we've seen, we've seen the recording process change. We've seen the distribution process change. We've seen radio change, seen the music evolve and change. I mean, from the, the first record that I recorded all the way back in 1991, to the the sounds and the things we're, that we're doing on records today, man, it's a it's a completely different format than it was 30 years ago. There's a lot of things I like about it, the you know the computer technology and Pro Tools and the efficiency that we have and the and the things that we can do in the studio are pretty amazing now. Things that we never even contemplated being able to do back yeah. in the early 90s. Uh, but uh, I, I, there's a lot of things about the industry that I like still. I, I think mm -hmm. that. 
you know, you don't have to be on a major label to be successful anymore. There are a lot of tools out there for us to use where we can reach our audience. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, and we've, we've really tried to embrace that over the last several years and really use the, the social media and the digital platforms and, and the streaming situations and all that stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's affected the, the royalty rates and a lot of stuff, but I, I think we're trying to compensate for that in yeah. some ways, you know, as, as the rates get adjusted on the streaming platforms, because obviously we don't sell the volume of records that we used to sell. Yeah. Uh, streaming has really taken the place of that. And, and I think we just have to embrace all that technology and move forward. But I think as they adjust the rates, it's going to compensate everybody a lot better. You know, uh, we, we had Joe Kelly from CDX Nashville on the show a while back. We talked about this whole thing about labels and all that. And I remember him saying, you know, any new artist that comes up and if they do get signed, they don't even know it, but they've been screwed. He says, go build your base, build it where they come, the label comes to you. He says, then you have more clout, you have more pull, because if you don't do that, then you're going to be screwed no matter if you think you did or not. <laughs> Yeah, and, and record label deals these days are not what they were back in the 90s when I signed, yeah. you know, they want a piece of everything. Oh, and, wow. and it makes it, you know, it, it makes it a little bit difficult uh, for somebody at, at the stage of my career to even want to go back into that system. I'm pretty content where I'm at, though, you know, we've, <laughs> we've got a strategy and I've got a fan base and I'm very blessed to have that and we work as much as we want to, you know, even in spite of the year off that we took, uh, you know, we were able to stay fairly engaged and, and active with our fan base out there. I've got a great digital social media team that takes care of all of that for us. And, and so, you know, I, I think we're in a pretty good place. I think this has the potential to be a really good year. Uh, you know, I'm kind of in that middle, upper middle pack, and a lot of the big acts really aren't going back out till next year. So we've got an opportunity to oh, wow. reconnect with some fans that may not have come to see us in a while, you know, on live shows, because we're back working again. We're back out on the road. Still some states that we won't be going into for a while. But for the most part, all the southern states and a lot of areas are really opening back up. And, and uh, hopefully by the end of the summer, a lot of places will be back at 100 percent capacity. I love to hear stories like that, because, yep. again, it makes you like, OK, I feel like we are at the other end. I think next year will be almost as normal as we can get, probably. And into this year, we're starting to see that change. I think so, too. It's just going to take a little bit longer to get there. You know, I think the confidence of uh, that people are still a little bit insecure about the health issues and and we still have concerns about the economy you know this this COVID has affected a lot more than just the music industry it's affected you know the distribution pipelines for groceries yeah. and retails and everything a lot of people were furloughed for a long time you have a lot of issues with the car manufacturing industry that have slowed down because they've had chip issues uh, so there's a lot of things that that it's just going to take a little bit of time for everything to catch back up again of course we had the the fuel a uh, cyber attack in the last couple of days up on the East Coast that kind of we're kind of anticipating what that's going to do to affect us. Because nobody knows. Nobody knows. And, and we've got a couple of shows. We're leaving tomorrow night heading to, to Louisiana. Oh, wow. A couple of private shows. And yeah, I, I called my bus drivers yesterday. I said, go fill the buses up. I don't know how we're going to get back, but we're going to get down. There. <laughs> we're going to get, get there, back. right? <laughs> we'll get there. I just don't know if we can get back. So, you know, <laughs> just trying to trying to prepare for those things. And, and I, you know, but who knows what else like that is going to happen in the next few months. You know, we have people attacking us all the time. Yeah. So tell us about your new album. What, what excites you about it? And tell us how this came together. You know, we, uh, we wanted to celebrate the 30 years in the business. This is 30 years since I recorded Sticks and Stones, which was my first record. And we recorded it in May of 1991. 
So uh, the plan is we're releasing three albums this year. The first album is already done. It's out. Uh, I wrote nine of the 10 things on it. Uh, it's called Stairway to Heaven, Highway to Hell. Uh, and yeah. it's uh, pretty much a straightforward country record, a little bit of versatility in it. There's kind of some blues influence, uh, some, some honky-tonk influences, a little bit of everything. So we will ride that out for a little bit longer. The second album is already in the can, finished, sequenced, mastered, actually at the distribution company, packaged up, ready to go. Title track is called The Price of Fame, which is a duet with my buddy Eddie Montgomery. Uh, mm -hmm. Another duet with Tracy Bird on the, on the album. But the structure of that, there will be five old hits. Uh, they will include uh, If the World Had a Front Porch, Somebody Paints the Wall, Stars Over Texas, I See It Now, and Find Out Who Your Friends Are. Five new songs that I wrote. Uh, and we will systematically release those out to social media and to the streaming platforms over the next several weeks. Uh, I'm just in the process of finishing up the third package. It will have five hits and five new songs. Right now, the, the thoughts for the five hits will be Time Marches On, Paint Me a Birmingham, uh, Sticks and Stones, Alibis, and probably Texas Tornado. I have three of the, the new songs already finished. I'm writing, I've got two more to write, and then we'll get in the studio and finish those things up, and I'll have that thing packaged up, hopefully, by the end of the summer. So we will be moving on with that. So the plan is just, just to release a lot of stuff throughout the whole year and just saturate the market with it. The most challenging thing has been trying to work all these things in, up into the show, you know, with, you know, things being out for three or four weeks, working up a new song. How do you gauge if it impacts? Which things do you hold on to in the set? When do you move on to the next thing that's coming out? It's just a lot of volume of music, trying wow. to work that and integrate it into the show and still keep all of those hits that people come to see. <laughs> You'll continue to give them something new without, because it's a little overwhelming. It's been a, it's been a, something, a crazy something balance. It's, it's been something of a challenge to figure out. I mean, I've never, I usually I release an album every couple of years. I'm trying to do three albums at one time, which has been really challenging. Wow. That sounds like a lot of work. You know, we talk to a lot of people and it's challenging for one, much less three. It's yeah, it's it's at its challenge, but it's been fun too. I, I think we've about, we've just about got it wrestled down. I'm, I'm on the other side. <laughs> now, as you know, a lot of people they see the glory behind what you do and what Blake does and Miranda and all of them, but they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the struggles, the tears that it takes not just to get to y'all's level but even a career level within the music industry and i always want to talk about this side of it because i think a lot of people sugarcoat this side and i always want people to know the rawness that it takes so let's talk a little bit about the sacrifices you made at the beginning of your career to help you get to where you are you know uh i'm glad that i made a lot of those sacrifices early on before i had kids and a family and all those things because the children do suffer i mean uh, you miss a lot of things. There's an old John Anderson song called I Wish I Could Have Been There uh, that uh, if anybody that remembers that talks about missing the baseball games and talks about yeah. missing the dance recitals. And, and I've missed a lot of those things over the years. Uh, you know, we, we adjusted early on where most people focus real intently on birthdays and specific holidays. We have birthday month. You know, it's because uh, uh, you, you have to normalize it as much as possible. So if, if the birthday lands on a weekend and, and you're working, you know, you just deal with it when you get home and that's become a normal part of life. So you just adjust accordingly. You try not to miss any more than you have to, but you try to make as much as you can. It's 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 got its challenges uh, and it does take a toll on you. You know, there is a grind about being out on the road for lengthy periods of time. I try not to do that much anymore. 
Mm -hmm. I like to be a weekend warrior, go out for two or three days and come home. I don't like being gone for two or three or four weeks at a time anymore. I don't enjoy that at all. Wow. <clears throat> and I, I remember we had Carlene Carter on the show um, last year, and she talked about stories where growing up, um, all she, you know, she didn't even know when a holiday really existed because they, they celebrated holidays on the road. Yeah. Well, you know, my kids were on the road with me when they were little and then they started school and my girls were involved in competition dance from a very young age. And that was very demanding. So they wow. had their own things that they were passionate about, uh, you know, and, and then as they got into junior high and stuff, we started homeschooling. So I, so I was at home with my kids a lot more when I was <laughs> home. They weren't getting up and going to school every day. We, we adjusted our lifestyle so I could be around them a little bit more as they were growing up, which, you know, you just have to try to adapt to things as best you can. Yeah, we homeschooled little Chris, and it's been great. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, as you know, a lot of people, they see you as the artist, but they don't see the teams behind you. And in my opinion, they never get the love they deserve. So if you want to take a few moments, just tell us about the team that helps you be who you are. Got a great management staff called Steadfast. I've been with them several years. Uh, just, I mean, they are on top of everything and you really, there's, there's so much stuff that needs to be taken care of in town, you know, dealing with the publicists, dealing with the social media team, you know, dealing with the, the publishers and the industry people and all, all of that stuff. There's a lot of politicking and leveraging and positioning that needs to go on that you got to have a staff and they do a great job of taking care of all that. Got a great team on the road. You know, my entire band and crew stayed with me through the pandemic, which was a challenge. We tried to take care of them as much as we could along the way. Uh, made one change at front of house engineer when we went back to work and everybody else has been with us from the, for many, many years. So it's uh, got a great group of people. And I think that support staff is what helps it run smooth. That makes a lot of difference, man. Keeping that consistency around you, people that care about their job, that, that are engaged in what's going on, that are happy to be there. You know, it's a, it's a hard thing to keep that camaraderie and that level of uh, professionalism out there. People get burnt out, man. They get tired. They got families and responsibilities and things too. And being able to, to hold all that together has its challenges as well sometimes. Most definitely. And, you know, speaking of teams, you know, now granted Sandy's not been with me on this one, which kind of saddens me. She had, couldn't be on this one. But our little nine-year-old, we always bring on our, we consider him our third co-host. So hopefully she's listening so she can bring in little Chris in a minute. Um, but, you know, we always bring him on every episode. And when Caitlin, our two-year-old gets older, which you met her a little bit earlier too, um, we'll be bringing her on to the show because we are a family affair show. Awesome. So hopefully he's coming. But um, <laughs> what are some of the things that you've done to help your kids understand when you are gone to help them understand this? Oh, you know, my kids have grown up with it. It's, it's, it's pretty normal. This, this is the normal for them. You know, uh, we spend a lot of time together when we're home, when I'm home off the road. I mean, it's, it's, it's just the way they've grown up. It's, it's extremely normal for them. Uh, they don't get too caught up in the whole star thing. They've met pretty much everybody in this business. They're, they're, none of it holds a fascination for them. You know, I think my youngest daughter is more engaged with YouTube stars than she is anything on TV <laughs> or anything music wise. She's got her, her YouTubers that she follows, you know, she, she discovered Billie Eilish before she even hit the mainstream. Oh, wow. Uh, so there, that's, that's the world that they live in, but they're, they're very adapted. They're good kids and they've grown up in all this. So it doesn't hold a lot of fascination to them. What's funny is I remember, um, I was following Gabby Barrett before she went on Idol 
And I remember oh, yeah. telling, I remember when she made the announcement she's going on Idol, I told my wife, and I was like, and she thought I was crazy. I was like, not only will she make it, to t- I was like, if they allow her to get to the lives, because I've seen her personality um, through a lot of lives that she does. I was like, if, they, if, if, if Idol allows her to get to the lives, she'll be definitely in the top five and she'll be another Carrie Underwood. And my wife was like, how can you predict that this early on? When she just made an announcement, she's going, on, I was like, just watch. And, and of course, as they say, the rest is history on that one. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so much influence that comes from these kids on YouTube and social media. They have access to so many people. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of kids that have really embraced it. They've grown up with the technology. They know how to utilize it. And I've, I've discovered some really great talent out there that's pretty fascinating to watch. Some great guitar players, great musicians. Uh, just uh, and I, I follow a lot of that stuff too. I mean, that's really where I get the bulk of my news and information. Man, is from social media these days. I really don't watch yeah. out TV anymore either. I guess she ain't been able to tune in, so I'm gonna grab him real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> okay, here he is. <laughs> Hi, Tracy Lawrence. Hey, buddy, how you doing today? Doing good. So, uh, what's your favorite food? Oh, man, I like all kinds of food. I love Italian food. Uh, I love steak. Let's see, what did we have last night? What did I fix last night? I fixed uh, some grilled chicken last night with mm. some uh, broiled asparagus in the oven with Parmesan cheese on it with mashed potatoes, and I made a big pot of pinto beans in my Instant Pot. So, I cooked supper last night. Last night was my night. Oh, wow. And what was yours? Uh, mine is pizza. You like pizza? Well, I can't yeah. eat pizza all the time. It makes <laughs> he could have. He could have. Yeah, he I, gave it to him. Now, when I was young, I could eat pizza every single day, but I can't <laughs> eat pizza every day. You would like that, huh? Yes, I would. <laughs> and guess, so, uh, what's your favorite TV show? You know, I really don't watch TV, uh, uh, but I, I can't tell you the last. I, usually, if, if I'm on TV, I'm watching something like the History Channel or something. So I really don't watch any network shows or anything like that anymore. What's yours? I get mine SpongeBob. Awesome. Very cool. And what's been pretty cool about our show is he watches a lot of the Nickelodeon shows. So we've been able to bring on a lot of people from his shows onto our show. So That's it's been great. Really cool. I bet you like that. Yep. Yeah, I did watch a lot of that stuff growing up. I remember my daughters were in Hannah Montana and uh, all that stuff. Yeah, we, we watched a lot of that. Caillou, <laughs> when they were little bitty. You remember Caillou? You ever watch Caillou? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> when he was little, he did. Yep, mine did too. Yeah. Bob got tired of that one. <laughs> that one, yeah, that one got old real fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's your favorite movie? Oh, the Big Lebowski is my favorite movie. I, I love it. Pretty much know all the dialogue in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yours? Okay, mine is the Minions movie. Awesome. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is our little two-year-old, she loves all the little Minions, too. And we could be out in the mall, and if there's mm-hmm. a store that has anything, whether it's a shirt, a store, whatever, but has a picture of the Minions, boy, she just points and laughs. And, awesome. And- <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Bye, Yanks. <laughs> Bye. Take care. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, he's been in almost every episode. And he loves that. And, and a lot of the right. guests love, it kind of breaks up the show a little bit when we bring him on. <laughs> so, it, you know, you've do, done a lot of writing in yourself. Who would be your ideal 
co-write person, dead or alive? Oh, my gosh. I'd love the chance to work with Keith Whitley. I never got to do that. And I know Keith was a great writer. He had a lot of stuff that he penned years ago. But, you know, I've got to work with a lot of great people over the years. I've got to write with Dean Dillon. Just wrote the title track off my new uh, album with Craig Wiseman. Uh, I've had a chance to work with a lot of them. Paul Nelson, Larry Boone over the years. You know, just uh, I've been blessed to work with a lot of really phenomenal writers. There's, there's still a, a few of them on the list. I haven't wrote with Bob DePiro yet, but that, that'll be coming soon. That's coming, right? But Mark Nestler, I mean, I love working with Mark Nestler. We've written a lot of great stuff together over the years. There's just some phenomenal songwriters in this town. There's no way you'll ever be able to write with all of them. And I've got a handful of guys that I'm really comfortable with. And I spent a lot of time with through the year that I really have, have gotten to the point that we really write great songs together. And that chemistry is really important. Now, this question probably has a thousand answers, but think of the first thing that pops in your head. What's a song you've heard that you wish you wrote? Oh, Troubadour, without a doubt. I'd do it in my wow. show. I wish I would have found it before Straight did, because that's just so much about a, a country singer, you know, just the lifestyle and, and just what you put into it. I just love the lyric of that song. I think it's very special and something that really struck me the first time I heard it before I ever even started performing it in my show. And it gets such a great reaction from my audience, but really dig that one a lot. So since, uh, you know, you've been doing this for a long time and it's hard to ask, where do you see yourself going? Um, so I'll ask, where do you want to go from here? You know, I'd like to do some more voiceover work. I'm starting to dabble in that a little bit. I've done a couple of, uh, you know, B-grade B movies, and, and I'm still dabbling in some of that acting stuff. Uh, but, you know, I really, I just enjoy the creative process. I, I feel like I'm happier and in a better headspace when I'm writing songs all the time. It seems to level me out a lot, just going through that that grind of a creative process, you know, hammering out lyrics and, and all that stuff. That seems to be really what makes me happy and balances the road and all that stuff out. That really, that's what levels me out. So I hope I can continue to do that for a long time. Uh, you know, and, and really and truly, I, I don't ever see me retiring. I'll, I'll get on that bus and ride till I'm physically not capable of doing it anymore. Yeah. I think I, I look forward to that. And this last year, I think that's been the hardest thing about not being able to go out there and work and get in front of the fans. It's been the most difficult part to me. Wow. Yeah. Cause you know, when you've been on the road for that long, it's like, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, if you're never on the road and then you start. You know, it's really yeah. tough at the beginning where so now it's like the opposite where you've been on the road for so long. And all of a sudden it's like whole, I can't remember who it was, but we were talking to somebody on our show last year. And she said that, you know, the first month she thought, oh, this is a great little vacation. I could use it. And then after about, <laughs> and then after a, she said about the third week, she was like she she started um, almost having withdrawals and shaking. She said that my, she people would come over and it's like why why do you have bags packed? She goes I never unpacked. No, I was sure we were going. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, they they stay packed to the foot of the bed all the time. All you do is come in and dump clothes out of them and reload them. That's pretty much the world that we live in. Uh, it was <laughs> it it was it was difficult, but uh, it it's all starting to get back to normal now, which feels that really is awesome. Good. <clears throat> So what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to ultimately be remembered for? You know, the, the body of work, but I, you know, I'm, I'm so passionate about a lot of the charity stuff that we do. Uh, you know, we do a lot of work with the homeless. Our foundation's growing a lot. We have 
uh, a pretty good strategy about where we want to go in the next several years about, you know, being able to expand and do more stuff with the community. I think the work that you do philanthropically is more important than all the career stuff that I've done. I'm very proud of that, but that's given me the opportunity to do other stuff that I'm passionate about in life. And I hope that's more of the legacy that I leave behind. That is awesome. So as we come to a close here, let's say you had a friend of yours and you heard him or her singing. They've got something special. And as Simon Cowell would say, they have that it factor. They played maybe 40 or 50 shows that are still getting their feet wet on the performance side. Now, this would be pre-COVID advice, so keep that in mind. <laughs> um, but they've gotten on stage. They got what every artist says, that stage bug where they look over the crowd and the crowd's roaring for them. And they just know they're in the right place. And they come to you and they say, Tracy, I know I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person to kind of help guide them the next few years? You know, I, the, the best advice that I can give anybody like that is that you've got to learn to bend a little bit all, you know, until you get the leverage, you know, it goes back to one of the things you said early on. If you come in from a social media side and you've got, you know, half a million followers, you obviously have a little bit more leverage than some kid that's just been out there playing BFWs. Um, so you've got to learn to kind of navigate through the system and learn that you have to give to get. And uh, the more success you have, the more leverage that you have to get control of your career. You've got to know when to take those steps. Uh, be very cautious about the people that you surround yourself with. You know, you got to have good, honest people that have a lot of integrity around themselves because there's a lot of sharks out there in this world. Baby steps, cautious, be aware of what's going on around you. I love that because, you know, we've, you know, we've been around the music industry and know people since about 2014. So we've seen a lot, but, but really big into it since the show started. And even a little bit before that, about probably 2018 and on, we've been heavy into the music industry and boy, you're right. There, you know, I watch on Facebook and I'm like, Oh, that's a scammer. That's a scammer. That's a scammer. It's easier to spot as you get older, but when you're young and you're still hungry for all of it, sometimes you're willing to take a little bit more of a risk because you think it's <laughs> worth it. Uh, but you, you got to learn to be cautious. That's why you got to have good people around you. And that's why, you know, I remember someone said uh, on one of the shows, I can't remember who it was that you, that the best money you could ever spend is the right attorney <laughs> absolutely and you got to watch them too <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> you know we enjoyed having you on the show today. so if you want to tell everybody how they can um, get your new album and reach out to you that'd be great Absolutely. Absolutely. Obviously, I've got TracyLawrence.com is my website. You can find us on all the streaming platforms. The new album is up and you can uh, download it and, and stream it at will. Uh, Amazon.com, you can find the album there. I think CD Baby. Uh, you can find uh, ways to order through my website as well. And obviously Facebook, Twitter, all the, the social media platforms is where you can find us for tour schedules and all that kind of stuff. So check us out. We're on the road. Love that. And, you know, we really enjoyed having you on the show today. And I look forward to having you back down the road. Thank you, Chris. Enjoyed it, man. God bless you. All right. Same to you.